If I were to say to you, candy apple, taffy, cotton candy, and flypaper, what one word would probably come to our minds? I think I heard it out there. Sticky. Sticky. Cotton candy gets sticky and caramel apples get sticky and glue is sticky and flypaper is sticky. If we don't wash our hands, we get stuck. I want to show you an image. Have you ever felt like you've been in a tight place? You've been stuck in a tight place? Take a look at this. Have you ever felt at times or you've experienced that you thought you were stuck in traffic? Now, I got to tell you, yeah, that's Peach Street, Christmas time. <laughs> I got to tell you, if, you're, if that's one of your cars, you're not stuck in traffic. You are the traffic. Have you ever, especially in Erie in the wintertime, felt like that you've been stuck in snow? Yeah, that, that's all a, a recent memory, isn't it? You get stuck in snow. And uh, maybe unknowingly, out of maybe stupidity or just experiencing, here's the last one. <laughs> maybe one of those, uh, I dare you to do this. But whatever your image and whatever your vision is of being stuck, I'm here this morning to share with you that I know, not because it's prophetic, but because it's life. I know that either you have been or you are currently stuck in something. It, you may feel like you are, you're stuck in your job. You may feel like that you're stuck in a relationship. You may feel like that when you took the kids out for supper this last week, you got stuck with the bill. You may feel as though that your life right now is you're just stuck. In a few moments, we're going to be sharing with you some history of the Israelites when they were in a period of time, probably the era of Joshua. Well, they had experienced some of these things going on, and we're going to take three different phases in Psalm 44 and show you some emotion, some feelings, some, some, some reaction to a people who really felt stuck. However, this morning, we're talking about stuck in cultural limitations. What does that look like? Well, I can tell you this. If every conversation you start begins with, I remember when, you're stuck. If every conversation that you get into, you started off with, well, I can't remember if it was in the 60s or 70s, you're stuck. And we find ourselves stuck in these things. In fact, if I were to say to you, Dick Tracy, rotary telephone, 
a ringer washing machine, Little Rascals, Lucky Tiger, Brill Cream, Queen for a Day. Some of you would know what I'm talking about. Others, if I were to say things like Michael Jackson, Madonna, MTV, Game Boy, Beanie Babies, Tickle Me Elmo, you know what I'm talking about. And perhaps whichever generation you have come from, you refer to that period of time as the good old days. I got to tell you, I, I've been on this planet long enough that I feel very blessed that I have experienced some things in life, but I got to tell you, it really is not the days that are old. It's us. And, and I've been a part of that, and, and, and I remember, because I grew up in my grandmother's home, my family lived there, but I grew up with a ringer washer. You, it was in the pantry, you rolled it out into the kitchen, filled it up with water, plugged it in, and after the washing was done, there's a ringer that you run the clothes through and it rings the, the water out of the clothes. And God help you if you're not watching what you're doing and you get something caught in there and fingers go in there. But I, I've lived with that. I've lived with the outdoor plumbing, what we have called, would call the outhouse. And, and I, I grew up with that as a part of my experience, and my grandparents had one of those. It was a two-seater. Uh, I, I, I was always wondering who I should invite <laughs> when, I would, when I would go there. I never figured that one out. Why do you have two-seaters? Who wants to go and be with you when you're doing your business? I remember some of the things in my past, the rotary telephone, um, some of those things in the past that, because our environment shapes us, whether we realize it or not, our environment shapes us. And those things are all good. Those, those things, it's good to have a past that we can draw from. But when we allow it, to control us, when we allow it to be the major focus of our life, what we don't realize, friends, is we're stuck. We're stuck because the world is passing us by. And, and this morning, whether you're stuck in a relationship or you're stuck with your finances or you're stuck on your job, you, you know what it feels like to be stuck. And that whole concept of the good old days simply means that I remember a period of time that I thought was better than the time that I'm living in now. But here's the thing. There's a line in the movie Sleepers, and it's a great line, and the, and the guy says this. I'm not going to tell you about the past. I'm going to tell you how I remember the past. 
Because here's what happens with you and I as we walk through life. We do not tell the facts of our past. We tell the stories. We remember about the facts of our past. And when we come to that, in, in fact, my mother, when she was living, we would have conversation, and Barb can, can uh, verify this, we would get in conversation with mom, and she'd go back several years and be talking, and we'd get in the car, and Barb would go, where'd she get that? Our kids never did that. We didn't say that. She didn't do that. But that was the story that she remembered about the past. And, and that's just kind of how human nature works. Now, something that was on my mind, and I'm going to just kind of share it with you a little bit this morning because I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to maybe free up some folk. Not only do we get stuck in the past, but we actually have the danger of being stuck with religion. You see, on Sunday morning when we meet as pastors prior to the service, we gather together, we go over the agenda, we talk about what we need to do in the service, and then we're praying. And, and most often we pray, and Father, we pray that you will anoint. We pray that your anointing will rest upon whoever's preaching, or your anointing will rest upon the worship team, or your anointing will rest upon those who come in. And not only our lips are anointed, but our ears are anointed as well. And for some of you, if you're not familiar with that term, it's, it's not to bring confusion because let me simplify it. Anointing is simply operating under the authority of God and the authority of church leadership and being empowered and being inspired and enabled by the Holy Spirit to say what God has to say for the moment. Now, see, if I go back into my past, and, and most of you did not grow up in a Pentecostal environment, but I did. And we always described anointing as that person who could, who when they were preaching could actually spit the fatherest in the front two or three rows. And, and the sweat just, just coming down off of them where they, they can't use a handkerchief, they need a towel just to kind of keep them dried off. And, and the jugular, I mean, the, the decibels get up till the jugular comes out about a quarter of an inch. And when the service was over, we'd say, oh, he was anointed. When really he just probably trying to convince you of what he was saying. But we pray for an anointing because here's what I know. The anointing wrecks religion. And when we come in as a congregation, perhaps this is something that you're going to relate to because many of you have come to Erie First Assembly from, other, some, other, from some other faith or some other background or some other, other belief. And, and you're, you're really, if you be honest with yourself, you say, Pastor Don, I really don't know what I believe. I, I, I like a little bit of this, and I like a little bit of that, and I like Erie First for this and that, but, but I really, I'm confused, and I've got doubts. Let me free you up this morning. It's all right to confront and wrestle with your doubts. 
So, oh, but I thought if I had doubts, I didn't have faith. No, see, that's, that's erroneous. There's nothing wrong with having doubts because, because when we wrestle with our doubts, here's what happens. We find that we don't have to live with the beliefs that we've inherited. And if I were to take time this morning and go through this congregation, many of you would say, well, Pastor Don, I came out of a church that uh, if you were this, you could take communion. If you were not this, you couldn't take Eucharist. And if you this, you did that. If you this, you did that. And now I come to Erie first. And Pastor Jack says, if you're a follower of Jesus, we just love all of you to take it. I don't know. I'm confused. I came out of a church where when they, they, they didn't baptize by immersion, they, they sprinkled. And, and that seemed to be okay. And that was my belief. And that's what I brought with me. I get to Erie first. Not only do we have a baptistry, but now we brought this a gigantic swimming pool, and now we baptize them right on the stage, and we take them all the way out. I don't know. I'm, I've got doubts. And raising our hands and worshiping God, and, and here's what I sense God impressed me with, that, that we love to have everyone that comes through our doors. But if we are still holding on to the beliefs that we've inherited, we're not going to be able to buy in to the vision and the mission of the church that God has placed you in. Because here's what happens. We have to be able to lay aside our individuality. Now, that doesn't mean that we want you cloned. That doesn't mean that we want you saying and doing and everything becomes, no, no, no. Individuality is, is simply this. I have my opinions on things, but here's one thing that I know. If I really believe that God has called me to Erie first, then I need to find out their vision. I need to find out their mission. I need to find out their core values. I need to find out what they do with missions and outreach and community. And when those things seem to line up with God's word, and this is where God has called me to be, then i got to buy into that. And I've got to take ownership of it. And, and, and God is impressing on me all day Friday, and I wrestled and I wrestled with my doubts. Uh, do I share it? Don't I share it? And it's one of those spontaneous things this morning that I'm sensing God is wanting us to understand that when God saves us, he doesn't erase our personality. When we have a, we have a preaching team here, Pastor Jack, Pastor Nicole, Pastor Jason, myself, no matter who is up here, and, and when you see us up here, you get who we are. Because I can't be like Pastor Jack. I can't be like Pastor Nicole. I can't grow a mustache like Pastor Jason. <laughs> God doesn't remove our personality, but when we talk about synergy, what I mean by synergy is when we come into these doors, there is a sense of community and family and togetherness and a oneness, and, and isn't it amazing what scriptures tell us can happen when we are in one mind and one accord. Just read about the upper room. 
Just read about Acts 2.42 when they had all things common. Why am I saying these things? Because God impressed upon me that we are still holding on to our inherited beliefs. And we feel like, and I'm just being, I, I think I'm getting right in your doorstep this morning. Some of you feel if you let go of your inherited beliefs, you are offending your family. And you are, you are, are turning your back on your family because some of you, your belief system it is not like your family as you grew up. But what I'm saying this morning is this. We cannot continue to be stuck in cultural limitations. And if we really feel that this is where God has called us to be, and we study through Scripture, and we see that it lines up with the Word of God, then we've got to buy in. Because I really believe the times that we are living in, I really believe we don't have a lot of time to just sit and wonder if I'm going to be a part of this church or not. We need some buy-in. We need some ownership. And quite honestly, and I'm, I'm saying this in love, but I'm also saying that, that if you're, you say, but Pastor Don, you know, I like to come because I get peace. I like to come because I like the worship. I like to come and hear Pastor Jack. Don't care so much about you other three, but I love to hear Pastor Jack. Can I say this? Based on 36 years of ministry and being around the block a few times, if you're attending this church and you're not giving and you're not supporting and you're not volunteering, you need to find a church that you can do that in because that's what church is all about. It's not a spectator sport. So you're going to, no, we're not going to kick you out. We're going to love you to death. The point I'm making is why do you want to be a part of something that you don't take ownership of and you don't buy into? Cultural limitations. Now, the funny part, let's go back to this whole thing of, of the Dick Tracy and Madonna, and here's what's going to happen. My grandchildren, after my time, my grandchildren are going to be sitting around, should Jesus tarry, and they're going to be talking to their kids, and they're going to say, hey, kids, let me tell you when the only thing we had was an iPhone and an Xbox. Those were the days. <laughs> Those were the days. All we had was an iPad <clears throat> and, a, and, a, and a computer. And, and, and it's because, see, it's all relevant. But I'm sensing today that God is wanting to say to us that we cannot allow ourselves to be stuck in cultural limitations, that the time is close, the time is very soon. When you see, Jesus said, when you see these times approaching, lift up your head, your redemption is close. And we've never seen in the history of our country, we have never seen the multiplicity of catastrophic disasters that we see happening on multiple times on the same day. 
It's tornadoes and hail and water and ice and fire and earthquake and on and on and on and on and on and on. on. If you read through Scripture, I believe it's it's a very vivid description of birth pains that Jesus is preparing to come back. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need to have this ownership and buy-in. Because there's nothing special about this church. There's nothing special about this building. There are churches doing great things all over our community. But when I come to this decision that I am going to release my inherited beliefs and I'm going to follow where God is leading me, I'm going to buy in and I'm going to take ownership. I'm not going to be stuck in the past. Now, this is not a new thing. We find in Scripture that this happened all of the time. Go back to the time of Abraham. Abraham probably sat around with his kids and told them about Noah and the flood. Hey, kids, let me, let me tell you about this big boat. The Israelites probably sat around with their family members and their kids, and, and, and they would say, let me tell you about this time that we were in Egypt, and we were slaves, and there was this mean old guy named Pharaoh, but there was this guy named Moses. And let me tell you about the Red Sea experience. That's a wow factor right there. And then the early church, they probably sat around and said, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. He was a carpenter. He was the son of God. He born of a virgin. And, and let me tell you about he healed the blind and he raised the dead and healed the lame. And let me tell you about the time he did this and this and this. And they killed him. And the grandkids' eyes gets real big. And then you say, but three days later, he came up out of the grave. See, telling stories has always been a time-honored tradition. But being stuck in them is not healthy. So we're going to take you back to Psalm 44. And I want to read a few verses with you to just give you the points that, that's going to be on the screen. Psalm 44, verses 1 through 3. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. Back in the good old days. With your hand you drove out the nations and planted our fathers. You crushed the peoples and made our fathers flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. And here's the thing we need to catch. Living in the past affects our present. Living in the, fact, in the past affects our present. Now. I'm glad, I am so blessed and fortunate to tell you that I can tell you stories of my past. 
where God met a need, where God healed, where God did so many things in my past, but I can also tell you that he's also the God of my present. And it's because of those past healings and those past answered prayers and those past victories that I can make it through today. When I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, when you, I'd mentioned this, you see me walking around and know I got this thing going on, and it just thought came to me as, and I said, God, I may be limping, but I'm still living. It's a good day. It's a good day. Living in the past can affect our present. Now, let me take, take you to verse 4, Psalm 44, verse 4. Let's see what they're... Notice how their, their verbiage and their attitude and emotion is changing. You are my king and my God who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample our foes. I do not trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. But you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. And here's the thing that we learn. Living in the present affects our future. Living in the present affects our future. Notice what they're saying. We've boasted in you. We have praised you. We have given you thanks. We have acknowledged your greatness. But when we get to the end of that verse, it's like, but now we're stuck. Because all we have to go on is the past. Have there ever been times in your life when you felt like God has abandoned you? Has there ever been times in your life <clears throat> when you felt like that you've been ridiculed? that you've been persecuted, that you've been dispirited. You say, we flee and we fall, and we're like sheep for the slaughter. Times in your life when you feel that God has let you down. Now let's look at verse 23. Let's look at verse 23. Awake, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We're brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. And here's the third thing. Living in the future requires our faith. Living in the future requires our faith. And let me say something to you this morning. <clears throat> the moment that you are living in is the greatest moment of your life. Not because it's easy and not because it's always fun, but it's because it's the only moment you have. We have no promise of tomorrow. We don't know how long our life is going to be extended. 
Now's the time. This brings me to a quick infomercial and in reminding you about the Rock the Lakes. I believe that God is bringing a season to the city of Erie. I believe there's a window of opportunity coming to this community that God is saying, I'm going to give you a shot. You better, you better make it your best. Because the things that we are experiencing and the culture that we are in and the history of our country and all of the adverse effects that are going on, God's saying, I am going to bring people into your path that, that need me in their life. I'm going to kind of just kind of gather them and, and, and herd them up. And, and you've got to be ready because this is your moment. Not because it's the easiest or it's the most fun, but because it's the only moment you have. And I've lived through these moments enough to know that it's foolish to say, well, I'm going to take a rain check on this one because God will bring it around again. Friends, listen to me. Sometimes you only get one moment. We have to take advantage of it. Every opportunity. So my question this morning is this. Have you ever been upset with God? Have you ever been, there been a time in your life when his works don't really seem to mesh up with his words? When you read through his words and you see that he is Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Shalom and God is this, God is this and God is this and God is this, but over here you're experiencing nothing? Have you ever experienced a time when you feel that God is not really being fair? Let me help you with that. God is always just, but he doesn't have to be fair. You think that one through. He's always just, but he doesn't have to be fair. Have you ever had a time in your life when you feel that God is really not interested in your problems? I'm going to stop and pause here just for a moment. And whether it's by way of this sitting that we're in today or for the future podcast that someone may be watching, I'm sensing to say this. You are in a position where you have come through a very traumatic time in your life. Maybe the last month, six months, last year, two years, however long you've been through this. It could have been initiated by job circumstances. It may have been a loss of a spouse. It may be a loss of your children. But I'm sensing that God is using this moment to say, that he understands that you're here today or watching by podcast that you have come through a traumatic circumstance and you feel stuck. You want to celebrate God, but you can't. You want to walk in freedom, but you can't. My encouragement to you today is this. Whatever it is that you feel has you stuck, Release it to God. Say, Father, I give it to you. 
then begin to rely on God's love and God's faith to walk with you as you move forward. And then begin to rejoice in who God is. We talked about that in our first day prayer this morning. All the, the, the people in our country, they try to quantify God. And God's like Coke, and he's like aspirin. He's like VO5 hairspray. He's like General Motors, and he's like on and on and on. No, 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 he's nothing like that. He's all that and a whole lot more. Because his plan is bigger than our plan. His power is greater than our power. His mercy is more merciful than we could ever extend to others. So the people here come to the place they feel stuck. If you read the end of Psalm 44, it, you get the sense that like they're saying, we're just petitioning and crying out because we're stuck. and We're not getting anywhere. In verse 22 of Psalm 44, they, there is a reference that they're saying, we feel like that we are as sheep led to a slaughter. I picked up Scripture the other day and turned to Romans chapter 8. And I found out that Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul was referencing Psalm 44, verse 22, when he says that as though you feel as though that you're a sheep being led to a slaughter. But let me, let me share this with you. Paul says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And you know where I'm going with this. Where I'm saying to you this morning, it's time to get unstuck from your cultural limitations, and it's time to get stuck on God. He, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am convinced, I am convinced, I am convinced there is no doubt. I've confronted my doubt, I've wrestled with my doubt, and I am convinced that neither life nor death or angels or demons present or future, any power, height, depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a great place to be stuck? Go ahead and give God thanks. It's a great place to be stuck. Nothing, 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 nothing. I've been stuck in the past. I've been stuck with my inherited beliefs. I've been stuck with tradition. But this morning, I'm releasing those to God, and I'm going to get stuck on Jesus because nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God. What, what a great experience. You say, but Pastor Don, is it okay? I mean, am, am I bad? Am I a bad person? No, 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 no. See, it's okay for outward circumstances to be bad if inward circumstances are good. The world around us is going to be bad. 
Life is not going to be fair. But there is a victorious king. God loves us intensely. And we don't have to remain stuck. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and I want you to notice that in your handout, here is your living out assignment. First of all, read Psalm 107. That'll, that'll crank your engine. Read Psalm 107. That will definitely get you moving forward. Number two, reflect on the times that God has been faithful in the midst of a difficult situation. Reflect. Remember, I didn't say stay there. I said reflect. And then three, remember, listen closely. Getting stuck is not always weakness on our part. So you don't have to take that on as a responsibility. Getting stuck is not always the weakness on our part. Getting stuck is never a weakness on God's part. And the secret to getting unstuck is God's favor. So the application is this. Share with one other person how God has answered a prayer, met a need, or provided direction for your future. And the neat thing about it that those of you who are under the sound of my voice right now, you just learned something that those people missed out on that just left trying to get to the restaurant early. <laughs> We're going to pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you today for our past. We thank you for our heritage. We thank you for the experiences that we have walked through that has formed us and shaped us and, and helped create who we are. But God, we don't want to stay there. We don't want to be stuck in cultural limitations because we know that, that we are living in the now and you're a God of the now and you're a God of the future. And Father, I pray, now I'm just, I'm, God, I'm just praying right now here personally that nothing I said will be mistaken or misconstrued or taken out of context. Some things have said have been straightforward, and I don't apologize for that, Father, but I pray that they be received in the spirit that they were given because we are your church, and you have your church planted across this community in all of the states around the world. You're building your church. God, stir us up to take that ownership and to buy in to where you've planted us that we can be effective for your kingdom. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We are releasing whatever it may be that has us stuck, our job, our relationships, uh, our finances, whatever has us stuck, we release that to you in the name of Jesus. We give it to you. We rely on you, your power and on your word, on your faith. And, Father, we begin to rejoice, and we give you thanks and praise. In your name we pray, amen. Man, have a happy Father's Day. God bless you.